So what is the difference between thinking and knowing? Hey, everybody. Pre-accident investigations. Uh, no, not safety memo. What am I saying? I've lost my mind. And my mind is gone. It's gone. Uh, pre-accident investigation podcast. And welcome. I'm glad you're here. If it's your first time, it's uh, always uh, nice to have first-timers. You're going to enjoy the initiation ritual. Uh, there's a paddle line, of course, because by federal law, I have to have a paddle line. And you'll have to pick a block of uh, a grape up. A grape. I can't talk. A grape up of a block of ice. I'm not going to take that any farther. Uh, <laughs> I can't... I can't get, you know, my problem is I woke up this morning. It snowed like crazy It one of those surprise snows that you don't really think's coming. They probably told me, I mean, I probably, it's, it's not like I didn't know. I'm sure I knew, but it's still kind of shocking when you wake up and you're like, Oh crap, got to scrape the car, got to scrape the sidewalks. They're scraping the roads. Um, although many are skiing today. I do know that was a big plan here in Santa Fe is a whole bunch of people are going to go skiing today. So, and great for them because I'm sure they're getting a good powder day and it's a, it seems cold. I haven't really checked the temp, but it was cold enough to wake up to a bunch of snow, which is, you know, the problem with winter. And if you're in the rest of the world and you don't have winter, if you're on the equator, I'm jealous of you. Gotcha. But, um, seasons aren't bad. Don't get me wrong. I know it sounds like I complain about the weather all the time. I don't really. I mean, I talk about the weather because, you know, it's something to talk about and it beats politics. But ultimately, seasons aren't bad. Seasons are kind of nice. They, there's sort of these markers in the year that help you understand where you are. Not that you need any kind of hint about where progress is moving because time, Man, time's rough. It just keeps moving on, and uh, it's not letting up. Darn it. But seasons make it uh, – you definitely have your, your favorite times, and because you have your favorite times, that must mean in the process of yang and yang that there must also be your least favorite times. And for me, winter's cold, and snow's a big pain in the bootocks. But other than that, it's fine. I mean, it's it's beautiful and gorgeous and has a tiny bit of water. I mean, I, I get it. I get the whole nature thing, and that's a part of it. And that's, so that's but anyway, if we could get through the snow, then I think that's that's a relatively good sign for us. How are you? So just coming back off of the meeting in Florida with Eric Hallnagle, which was really great and fun to see him. And I saw lots and lots of friends. There were quite a bit of people there. It was really a fun conversation because we got to really focus specifically on this kind of new thinking that people are doing really around the globe. And it was under the guise of thinking about medical safety, patient safety, and really medical safety as a whole. So not just patient safety, but the safety of the people who work in medical facilities. And we were able to sort of focus that around pediatric safety, which is always a, a, a super compelling discussion to have. And we got to share information really across industries. 
So, you know, oil and gas, got to talk to manufacturing, got to talk to healthcare, and vice versa. I just made those three up, but I mean, they're, they're, that's a great example. There were many other choices in that. And it was fun to see friends. I mean, I can't tell you how nice it is to reconnect with people because it's been a while. And that is not enough because there was also pretty good information. Now, um, it's funny, Jeff Lith calls this specific meeting kind of uh, new safety speed dating, and it is a lot of information really quickly, and it's not, it's, it's one main room, so there's only one place where information comes, uh, so there aren't multiple conference tracks at the same time, which is great because that gives you a choice, but I also think having one conference track uh, removes choice. And again, as time marches on, and we've talked about this, there's something to be said about removing choice. It, uh, it force functions everybody to have the same thinking at the same time. You know, because context drives behavior. I mean, we don't have to talk about it. It's a, it's a part of, uh, you know, how the world moves on. But nonetheless, really fun to see people. It was great to see Eric Hallnagel. I was so proud of him for traveling. Um, he's, he's recently gone through some pretty significant health issues, and he talked about those pretty upfront. Actually, he was as funny as uh, I've ever seen him. Well, here's a treat I'll make for you. Here's a promise I'll make for you, which also is a treat. And that is I got permission to record a bunch of stuff, and so I am going to use as a part of the podcast uh, a major part of Eric's presentation. So that's coming. In fact, that'll be soon. In fact, I don't even know. Maybe that'll come before this. Probably not, but eh, who knows. And um, and there was a couple other people I captured as well that um, I think are worthwhile. So Jay and I, Jay Allen set up his little Safety FM studio stuff and was able to gather as much um, recording of the presentations as was possible, I'm sure. I think he got a lot. But we we certainly picked up on the ones that I thought would be somewhat historic. And, and I do think Eric's presentation was probably going to be pretty important and kind of historic. I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's something to be said about talking to a scholar when they've been in their career a long time. Um, I remember sitting with, with um, uh, well, lots of scholars. I'm, many times I've sat with, like, Edgar Schein here in recent years and the way they talk about their life's work changes because it starts to have a little bit of edge on it edward t hall if you don't know who that is um spent quite a bit of time sitting with him and talking towards the end of his life and that was really interesting uh ev rogers uh jim costia there's there's lots of scholars and it's kind of nice because there's a clarity to what they're thinking about and it's not wrapped in a lot of uh, academic or political veneer it's just straight up this is pretty much what I've learned is important. Like I remember Edward T. Hall telling me, if you want to understand a culture, make a friend in that culture. And that was it. I mean, and that's, if he had to boil his life's work down, uh, that's kind of where he took it. And it sounds simple, but that's a really profound thing to say. So that was that conference. It was very fun. We had a marvelous time. Wish you could have been there. And I'm sure there'll be others. We've, we've got the one coming up in March in Santa Fe. Um, which still has some room in it. I'm surprised, but happy about that. So if you're interested in coming to Santa Fe in March, we would be interested in having you. You can grab that information. It's easy to get. Um, we have a really cool hotel that we're staying in, the Hotel Santa Fe. 
and um, it's native owned. So that's kind of cool, but it's also kind of a cool facility. It's a really great location, and the rooms are nice. They're kind of little mini suites. You know what I mean? I like those. You got a little room to watch TV and a little room to sleep, and never the twain shall mix. Bound by a common janitorial service. That's how I talk about any operation like that. But that's available too, so that'll be fun and out there and ready for you. That sort of leads us to the discussion today. Today's pod is interesting. Because it, it really is this, uh, this fine line between thinking and knowing. And we should own that because that's a pretty interesting thing to own. So the pod today, we're going to talk mostly about the idea of the difference between the word believe and verify. Or thinking and knowing, I said that earlier, but thinking and knowing is a part of it. And thinking and knowing, that's a pretty philosophical discussion. Uh, how do you how do you know something? How do you think something? And they're both really vital. It's the same with, with believing and knowing. But I think this is uh, for people who actually work with highly reliable systems, systems that must survive. There's a relatively big difference between thinking and knowing and, and, and believing and verifying. And let me tell you where this came from. Alan Frankfurt sent me a series of articles around the Southwest event that happened a couple weeks ago in the United States. And if you don't remember, that's the event where Southwest Airlines basically completely lost control of their operations. I don't know how else to describe that. I mean, I'm sure there are fancier, nicer ways to say that, but they did. They just lost control of their operations. And that's a scary idea. I remember I did an investigation once for a large company that had some fatalities, and one of the headers I put on the report was that their operations were out of control. And I remember the company got really upset with me. Like, like you can't say that. That's crazy. You, that's, uh, that's, that's impossible. That's, you can't, that's, please don't say that. Don't say that. And ultimately, I, I understood, I understand maybe better now, but I understood at the time that that's probably kind of a bad thing to say because bad things happened. But also, it's a relatively accurate way to talk about what took place. Our operations went beyond our ability to control our operations. And so we were out there on the side of the, the world that went crazy. And, and this article that Alan sent me was written by a former chief executive for, I think, Spirit Airlines, if I'm, I'm going on memory on this. And one of the things that this executive said is that Southwest's operational paradigm, the way they actually do their work, was really complex. And he talked about the difference between out and back flying or linear flying. So most airlines fly hub and spoke, so they go out and back. So if you're on a plane to Sheboygan, uh, it goes from the airport to Sheboygan, then it waits around in Sheboygan, picks up people, and goes from Sheboygan back to the main airport, right? That's the out and back theory. The linear theory is this idea you go from point A to point B, ready? Here, here comes the big change to point C, to point D, to point E, and that's the day. So a plane starts on one side of a country and ends up on the other side of the country and doesn't return back to the airport. And so you do have this really kind of complex tracking mechanism for both equipment and people, and that does make your operations pretty efficient, I would imagine, because your ground time is probably really low and you're using the crap out of your equipment. But ultimately, if there's any kind of variability, any kind of variation in the system, then that delays 
the rest of the day. So if B to C screws up, there's not going to be any D, E, or F, right? I mean, that's just that's how it's going to work. And one of the things this guy said from Spirit Airlines is, is that Southwest has developed a puzzle that only has one answer. And I started thinking about that. That's a pretty powerful thing to say, right? A puzzle that only has one answer. And therefore, if something happens, there's only one way to fix the problem. There aren't multiple venues, multiple multiple directions, multiple pathways that you can take for solution. There's only one solution. And the DevOps guys that do this, they talk about this all the time. So this isn't really new thinking. It's just we're applying this thinking for how we look at efficient systems across the board because we're having to, right? Things are happening. And so if you create an operational picture that only has one solution, then you can't be too terribly shocked when that one solution doesn't function. But ergo, the topic for today's podcast, because how do you ensure that you have the capacity to recover before a failure takes place? And that is this idea of knowing the capacities there. And I get this question a lot. You do too. So it's not going to be an unusual question, but, uh, you know, what is the perfect predictive data? What can we measure? to actually guess what will happen next. People really want that answer because the world's uncertain, and that would be a super comfortable thing to know. And we always say back to them, well, you know, you have to have the capacity for variation. You have to have the capacity to adapt because you don't know what will fail next, but something will fail because everything's kind of failing. And when it does fail, we have enough room in there, and there are many puzzle answers we can choose from that all lead us to getting operations back into control. Make sense so far? Yeah, right. I mean, so far, so good. Well, one of the things is, is that we do that by understanding capacity. And there are a couple ways to sort of understand capacity. We can test capacity, but we're going to have to move into this area of belief versus verification. And so that's going to be kind of tough. Because we're going to have to define kind of what those are. So a belief is something that you hold true, but don't need much evidence to prove, right? So, and there's nothing wrong with a belief, not by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I think beliefs are kind of fundamental to human psyche. It's what keeps us up and moving forward. It's it's the reason... We get out of bed. So beliefs aren't bad, and I don't want to say they are, but a belief is not the same thing as a verification. So belief is something you hold true but don't need evidence to prove. Verification is something you know is there because you have the evidence to prove it. And I think about it kind of like this. Um, let's use the example of snowy morning because I'm in one right now. I talked about that earlier, but you're with me on that. So I believe I have an ice scraper in my car. Okay. I believe it's there or I have verified there's an ice scraper in my car. Which one would be better to move forward on a snowy morning? They're both real. I mean, they're not, this, this, it's not like you didn't believe that, right? But which one actually gives you more assurance that should it snow and freeze and blow and drift, all the snow words you can think of, should that happen, 
I have the capacity to actually manage at least the visual acuity in my vehicle before I start driving. And that's a pretty important difference. And you can kind of see it almost immediately. I mean, we don't have to talk about it very much. There's, there's a clear difference between believing there's an icebreaker and verifying the presence of an icebreaker. And they're different. And yet, my friends, this is why we're talking about it. Oftentimes, when we look at capacity, we see them as somewhat the same. So the challenge is, is a belief's important, but it's not of verification. It's not sufficient enough to actually manage actual operational deviation. We have to verify, validate and verify the presence of the control in that system. We don't just believe we have fall protection. We, in fact, must verify we have fall protection. And and so that conversation which is a relatively easy conversation to have with the people who do the work. This, this, isn't a, this isn't nearly as heady and probably doesn't warrant as much time as we're spending on it. The challenge is, is that with the people who do the work, I, I'm least interested in this conversation because we really can work on the verification side of that house all the time. It's the people who plan the work and manage the work and lead the organization that oftentimes find themselves in this exclusive domain of belief and not in the very specific domain of verification. Jump to Southwest Airlines. So I'm convinced, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm convinced they believed they had the capacity to manage that variation. I'm convinced they believed they could get through a sudden winter storm in Chicago. And the reason I believe that is because they've done it a bazillion times because sudden winter storms in Chicago aren't even terribly unique. They happen a lot. And nowadays, with meteorology being what it is, there's relatively good warning something bad's going to happen, right? You know, I say it all the time. It's not the airline's job to control the weather, but they surely control how they respond to the weather, right? So, therefore... The management of, in this case, Southwest Airlines, but you could pick any company you want to, believed they had the capacity to work through this. Oh, sure, there might be some disruption. There might be some potential jiggles in the jello of operations. Thanks, I just made that up. I'll be around all day. But ultimately, they believed they had that capacity. The challenge is, is when the system was actually tested, it did not exist. So they didn't verify that. So when Nora or Adrian or any of these DevOps people, like especially from the Netflix world, start talking about chaos monkeys, where they'll actually put a deviation into the system and test it. They'll break their system simply to test it, to see how long it takes to identify and recover. What they're doing is they're moving via chaos monkey from belief to verification. And what's interesting is that that's an actual deliberate strategic change in thinking. And it means resource, time, energy, effort, and it has to mean that the way planners and thinkers formulate work has to have another step 
that somehow touches the actual work. So we're really in this place where we can talk about how we think work's going to happen. Let's call that the black line. And how work actually happens. Let's call that the blue line. And how we know for certain that the capacity necessary to manage variation, the adaptive capacity necessary to manage any kind of funky event that happens, is present, is present. And that, my friends, is the very difference between belief and verification. They're both really important concepts, no question. Please continue to hold beliefs. You need them. They matter. But a belief itself is simply that. It's something you hold true and have not really necessarily needed evidence to prove. But if you count on that system to ensure your process stays in control, then you've got to go beyond belief into verification space. Because ultimately what we want to talk about is losing control of the system. And once you lose control of your operations, then bad things happen. In fact, maybe a good thing could happen, like some serendipitous invention of a better fat-free potato chip. But chances to me are relatively low that it will. And that's the challenge we have as we move forward on this crazy journey into doing what we do. The need to actually get better is dramatically impacted by understanding the difference between belief and verification. So that's the pod. What'd you think? Was it potty enough for you? I think so. I think that was a pretty good little podcast. I mean, it's definitely something I wanted to talk about. It's been on my notes a while. And then with the combination of of what we've been thinking about with kind of the big airline failure that happened quite publicly, and so it's on our mind, and then Alan sending that write-up around having a puzzle with only one answer, which I'm still not done thinking about. I mean, that's um, that's a really interesting way to think about failure. Um uh, and really, it's an interesting way to think about resilience in failure, after failure, during failure, wherever resilience takes its place, all all of those included. But I actually thought that led perfectly into this. I really wanted to talk about the difference between believing something is true and verifying something is true. And that is a pretty big difference. And yet, at the planning side of the work, um, it's kind of the same thing. I believe this will come up. I believe we have the capacity in the system to actually manage what's about to happen. You know, I believe we have the right equipment. I believe uh, when the time comes, I believe we'll be ready. These are all really important planning conversations. And I, again, tell me if you think, but I don't think they're wrong. I think they're relatively normal, but it's it's not the same as validating and verifying Oh, that was, I said that like a hobo would say that validation and verification. How's that uh, of your actual systems? And that I think is a pretty profound way to think about it. So that ultimately is the pod. I mean, I hope that helps you guys have a great week. Welcome aboard. If you're new, I think there's probably kind of going to be a lot of new people listening. So I need to remember to say that if you made it this far, um, then your workout is almost over. 
And so that's good. Or you're almost driving where you're driving to, or the dog's almost walked. I mean, you've done all the things you do, or in my case, the bike has been ridden. I mean, you've done all those things when you when you listen to podcasts, so that's a good thing as well. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That seems really important. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.